you're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with some of the most passionate, hardworking, and limitless thinkers on this earth who have a story to share, a brand that inspires, or a fire inside of them to live life on their own terms. The intention behind each episode is simple. And that's to include you in these conversations so that you can learn, apply, and grow in your own life and in your business. If I can share one quick secret with you before we begin, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us, but perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. Tuning into Visionary Life will help you dust off the limiting beliefs you carry around so that you can begin to create your own most visionary life. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Welcome back, visionaries. Earlier this year, I had the chance to attend the launch of an incredible foundation called Impact Zero, created by my friend Aaron Andrews. At this event, I met two incredible individuals named Tanis and Mara, who are the founders of an eco-friendly, package-free refillery in Midtown Toronto called The Green Jar. More than just a shop, though, Tanis and Mara are educators and community members who are on a mission to ensure that zero waste is accessible and less intimidating. Tanis and Mara spent their formative years on a 50-acre horse farm, and then they would spend their summers with their grandmother in the Swiss Alps, where low-waste, package-free shopping was the norm. And I can totally vouch for that because I did live in Switzerland for a couple years, and that was true. Tanis and Mara have memories of daily trips into town with their grandmother to visit the baker, the butcher, and the fromager. Am I pronouncing that right? Allowing one to catch up with the proprietors and neighbors about the daily events and on a daily basis. So the sisters wanted to recreate the same sense of community in their space, whatever that space was going to be. Uh, But they waited for the right time to open the green jar. And so be it. The green jar was created finally in 2020. And this was created created in order to support a circular economy by assisting their community in reducing and hopefully one day eliminating household waste and single-use plastics, as well as encouraging people to embrace an eco-friendly lifestyle. This is an inspiring and an informative conversation. We talk about their experience opening a shop just a mere few months before COVID hit. Nice, right? (laughs) Tough time to be in the brick and mortar, but these women are are truly inspirations of how they pivoted. Uh, We also talk about some of the most valuable investments that they made while planning out the store and who they hired. Uh, We share the top items to switch over to eco-friendly. They tell us about what sparked the idea to open the green jar, how they built a community of customers, and advice for people who want to open their own retail space. So this was their first podcast, so I'm super grateful that they took the time to share their journey with me. The best place to connect with the green jar is on Instagram. You can just go to instagram.com slash the green jar shop or visit them at 1061 St. Clair Ave West in Toronto. So let's dive into this episode with our eco-friendly mavens, Tanis and Mara. Mara and Tanis, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm so excited to be able to sit down virtually and chat with you today. I first met you at our mutual friend, Erin Andrews. She had a, a launch party for Impact Zero. And ever since then, I've been following you on Instagram. And I knew you would both make amazing podcast guests because to my knowledge, there's not too many shops that are similar to the Green Jar here in Toronto where we all live. So again, can't wait to chat with you. Thank you so much for being on the show and welcome. Thank you. Thank Thank you for having us. Yeah. We're going to kick off with some rapid fire questions just to warm you up and to allow the listeners to get to know you a bit better. So first things first, Mara, where did you grow up? Okay. Well, I grew up in uh, just outside of Toronto in Stovall, Ontario on a horse farm. And, uh, during my formative years, playing in the dirt and <laughs> picking vegetables from the ground. 
That sounds great. amazing. Grassroots. Awesome. <laughs> Tannis, what about you? Same here. We're, we're twin sisters. So, uh, yeah, we, we had the good fortune of uh, growing up on this lovely 50-acre horse farm and gathering our chicken eggs from the chicken coop and uh, playing in the pine forest. And it was a lovely experience. And we were there for, I guess, about the first six or seven years of our life. Oh, that sounds so beautiful. Do you ever go back mm-hmm. to that same farm? Mm-hmm. Well, when um, when we were teenagers, we went back every once in a while just to see if the house was still there. And our, our parents had built this lovely uh, playhouse that we had in the front of the yard. And unfortunately, maybe about 20 years ago, it uh, became a townhouse complex. So there's yeah, There's the land no, was sold. The land was sold, so there isn't any existence of a pine tree or a farm or anything. It's all concrete and uh, driveways now. Mm-hmm. Wow, that must be a bit mm-hmm. surreal to think about that. It was very strange that the landscape had changed and it, it didn't. It was unrecognizable, so it was a little bit sad to see it go. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was each of your first jobs, like the earliest job that you can remember yeah. as a kid or as a teenager? <laughs> I would say, well, this is Mara speaking. I remember working as a landscaper. It was a pilot project through the city of Toronto to hire like 12, 13 and 14 year olds and see how they did in the first job. And the entire summer I planted gardenias and you know pulled weeds and and I just had the best time and I got paid for it <laughs> I was about yeah, 14, 13 14. Tannis what I, about you I, well I guess the the first memory of a job or I, I should say it was kind of like a gig we um did a toothpaste commercial and oh, we yeah. were about five <laughs> yeah Somebody uh, spotted us and said, oh, you'd be great for an ultra-bright toothpaste commercial. So we, um, I think we did one or two of them. And then um, our mother got the check and we put it into the bank. That was when we opened our first bank account. And then we purchased a bike <laughs> with, the, with the proceeds. So that was like, I felt very, you know, important. Like, oh, that was, that was a really fun job. <laughs> and then after that, the subsequent job I think I was about 12 actually I was 12 because uh, I remember that some parents thought I was too young but I babysat Um, and that was a really amazing experience caring for for young babies Uh, the the most memorable was a newborn that I got to care for for um, for a few a few days at a time the parents would go away on business trips and would for some reason, allow me as a 12-year-old to care for their their newborn child. But it was great. It was a great learning experience. And I felt very responsible and very mature. So it was, it was quite lovely. Mm, yeah, I was just thinking, mm-hmm. like, babysitting is such a great job to teach mm-hmm. responsibility to young kids. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, I, I can mm-hmm. prove that my work ethic is good if I keep this child alive. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> yes. right. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was quite an accomplishment. <laughs> What is one daily routine or ritual that each of you have kind of adopted and practiced daily in order to be able to show up for your business in the way you want to? Yes. For me, it's stretching. Stretching? Stretch. Yeah. So uh, yoga in the morning before I leave the house is really, really important. And I find that I cannot do without it. So it is... It's a, it's a necessity for me. Mara, what about you? Oh, gosh. Well, uh, that's been tricky. I would have to say I had a bad habit of not eating breakfast. So now (laughs) I have a proper meal (laughs) at the beginning of the day. Good fuel, you know, good energy just to get up and go and start my day. So Mm -hmm. that's definitely something I'm paying more attention. Take care of myself first Mm -hmm. so I can take care of my business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's certainly tough to show up mm-hmm. for a work day, to show mm-hmm. up for customers when you haven't done at least one thing for yourself mm-hmm. and just to kind of sit down, take that time to eat, take that time mm-hmm. to stretch, and then go pour into whatever the day is about to bring mm-hmm. you, right? Mm-hmm. So true. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I would love to know, obviously, um, you didn't start this business from the time you were like 15 years old. So what were you both up to in the years leading up to launching the Green Jar? What type of career path were you each on? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, for myself, Mara, I actually had always had a job in some way that was working with my hands um, and restoring things in some way. So I worked with a furniture restorer for a while, and then I got into um, masonry, stone masonry. So I restored historical buildings across the city, and I worked with a conservator from Montreal, and that was a lot of fun. I did that for about 15 years. And then when the arthritis hit, <laughs> I moved on to to something a little bit easier on the joint. But yeah, I'd always been working with my hands and working with community. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Neat. Mm-hmm. Neat. Tannis, what about you? I was uh, working as a massage therapist and um, a birth and postpartum doula. And I also taught... Uh, prenatal classes and lactation education classes. So that was my, my, uh, my career for 50, almost 15 years. Mm. And um, it was, it was great. I really loved it. And it was a, a great way to connect with people and, um, and then also, you know, teach them how to, to feel better, you know, through stretching and through, uh, remedial exercise and self-care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Now you're on these paths, your you're separate career paths. So at what moment does the conversation to get into business together to start mm-hmm. an eco-friendly physical retail space, when does that mm-hmm. come to be? So maybe you can take mm-hmm. us back to like the first conversation that mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. had that sparked the idea. I think it was actually when we were about 15 or 16, actually, we mm-hmm. um, had already, you know, lived an eco-friendly lifestyle with our family. And it was really important to us to maintain that when we became young adults. And we found it a little bit challenging to find uh, places that would provide those uh, sustainable essentials that we were so used to growing up, you know, at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were a, a couple of places in the city and Mar and I had, you know, thought, well, when we are ready and when we're grown up, <laughs> we'll have a space very similar to uh, to the places that we frequented. So Karma Co-op was uh, a really big place that, you know, our, our parents shopped there quite regularly, uh, Kensington Market, for example. So uh, we were already really familiar with the, the bulk component and buying directly from, uh, from farmers. And, uh, yeah, I'd just say, yeah, we were like 16 or so Mm -hmm. when we said, okay, when we have the opportunity, let's open a space similar to Karma Co-op or, um, Grassroots, for example, Mm -hmm. was another place that we really admired. We, uh, were both, uh, really, uh, wanting to, uh, make it a serious, um, change and a promise to ourselves to, to start this business. And so we sat down and started writing our business plan. And um, I would say that that was like the pivoting moment was about two years ago. Mm, so, so cool. Mm-hmm. Now, did you have experience with launching and writing business plans? Was anyone in your family an entrepreneur? Or did you feel mm-hmm. like you're coming into this kind of mm-hmm. just not sure what to do but we'll figure it out right it was it was a combo so our uh our mother had uh, a space in yorkville when we were kids then this was the the home that we had moved to at when we left the farm and uh so she had a a retail store and uh there we were you know mm-hmm. five six years old helping out and uh working at the cash register and figuring out the math in our head and uh helping her with her day-to-day operations so uh, definitely I would um, attribute some of the skill uh, from our mom and uh, you know later on in years we worked in retail so that also gave us some really practical knowledge as to how to um, run a business from 
the back of the house to the front of the house. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then with the business plan, we uh, didn't, I guess we didn't really have experience in that. Um, prior to uh, opening the space, we, we did um, speak to someone and hire someone that was a professional business planner. And we felt like that was extremely important in order to have a, a really clear, concise, succinct uh, plan that we could we could take to the bank. And we, we wanted people to take us seriously. This was something that we were really serious about when we were putting our life savings into it. Mm. You say you hired a professional. So tell us a bit more about that because I think there are so many people mm-hmm who they really do want to start a business, but they have no prior knowledge, um, but they're not sure where to ask for help or where to invest money in asking a mentor or an expert to lend a helping hand. So what was the decision process? How did you find this person and what kind of value did they bring to writing the plan? Well, I had previously written a business plan on my own and, uh, you know, I thought it was pretty good and I took it to a colleague of mine who was also a massage therapist but prior to entering into massage therapy she was a business planner and she said it looks great but you're missing some major components uh, with regards to you know your your daily cash flow your demographics so there were some key points that I had missed and so she had recommended uh, a person to to speak to and so she introduced us and we we went from there um, mm-hmm. But I do, I do find that that was extremely important to have have a business planner because they really think about every single detail of your of your business, from um, you know borrowing money to your demographics to how many um, paper clips. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. How many paper clips? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> You're budgeting for every single thing, every element in your in your store, which is it's a really a daunting task, but it's extremely important. So you're fully prepared emotionally as well as financially. Was there kind of one component of the business plan that you are so glad you got into the nitty gritty of it? Like just in case someone's listening, that's like, I can bypass the marketing or I can bypass (laughs) the finances or I can bypass this. What would be that part that you're like, spend time here? Absolutely. It would be the finances definitely go through it with um, extreme uh, detail. Uh, you want to make sure that you haven't left anything unturned mm-hmm. and you are, you know, uh, as a business person, you're, you're bound to have surprises when it comes to unforeseen things like, uh, you know, construction delays, for example, um, extra cash flow in case you don't get the funding that you um, are expecting. Um, Mm -hmm. extra cash flow for emergencies Uh, so it was really uh, a a really good experience to to go through all of that is is as uncomfortable as it is to go through your finances with a fine-tooth comb it's important Mm -hmm. another really important thing too is the um, is just having really good credit Uh, that is a a huge component um, because basically they want to make sure that they can trust you with regards to lending you money. And um, we, Mar and I worked very, very hard over the years to ensure that we, you know, paid our credit card bills in full and on time mm-hmm. and uh, ensure that, you know, we, we looked good on paper first before um, yeah. we, we obtained money, borrowed money, which we hate doing. But, you know, when it, when it comes to a small business, um, you, you do need to have uh, some financial support. It, you don't want it to be a hundred percent coming from your own bank account. Mm-hmm. Those are such good tips. Mm-hmm. So you get through writing this business plan, then what were some of the other first steps that you took in order to bring the green jar to life? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have to say sitting down and making a list of all of our product, you know, our favorite things. And then also, what's out there on the market that, you know, aligns with our values and, and what would fit best in our store. Mm-hmm. So we, we took our time with that and we made a list and we contacted all of our favorite uh, suppliers mm-hmm. and uh, even found some new favorites. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, created 
conversation with them. And it was over a span of several months that we, we talked back and forth and got wholesale lists and, and they became familiar with us. And so I think that's what really helped because we got to know our suppliers mm -hmm. in and out. Mm -hmm. that, that was extremely important. And then also finding the perfect space. Lo mm -hmm. Location for us was really important. We wanted to work close to home uh, for a few reasons. We wanted to ensure that our carbon footprint was quite low. We wanted to make sure that we could walk to work. That was really important that we could, um, you know, have that really healthy boundary between home and work, but also that we could be very close by in case anything happened and, and we're not having to do the, the hustle every day to get downtown uh, via TTC, which, you know, we, we happily did for many years, but we, if we felt like if we had our wish list, let's, let's ensure that we could stay within our community um, and grow in our community, which mm -hmm. again was another really important element Hmm. So obviously having community is so important to open a brick and mortar mm -hmm. store because you're serving the people within a radius mm -hmm. around you, right? So I'm yes. curious, did you have community built up before launching the shop? Um, or were you kind of starting from scratch mm -hmm. thinking, well, we're going to have to start finding our first few customers. So where were you on yeah. that spectrum? Good question. We Well, I've lived in this uh, community well, actually, I guess it's the neighboring community about 10 blocks away, but uh, I've lived there for almost 20 years. Wow. So, you know, my kids went to the local school. Uh, a lot of the um, uh, community members also have small businesses, uh, you know, on St. Clair West, for example. They're also, neighbors, yeah. They're also my neighbors. So uh, there's a strong sense of uh, community uh, in this neighborhood. Um to the point where you know they have Facebook page pages for each of the streets and each of the neighborhoods, and it's it's not uncommon for you know a, a, a community member to say, "Oh, could somebody lend me a lawnmower for the weekend?" And you know, five minutes later, you have a knock on your door, and there's a lawnmower. So it's everybody supports each other and and watches out for each other. So we knew that when we started this business, we'd have that support, and that was really important. We didn't want to open the doors and it be quiet and no, you know and also that nobody would know us uh, it was very important that we already had some familiar faces coming in to support us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's amazing and love hearing mm -hmm. when there's strength in a community and neighbors supporting neighbors it's mm -hmm. um, something that I feel like we've kind of gotten away from over the last 10 20 years but mm -hmm. now more than ever I think people are starting to reroute into the people that are around them because this is where we live this is where we spend a lot of our time and it's so nice mm -hmm. to have a neighbor that cares enough to pop over with the lawnmower or to support mm -hmm. the local business and it's nice mm -hmm. that maybe through this global experience of covid we've kind of mm -hmm. um, been able to plant more roots which is pretty special absolutely uh, mm -hmm. now I know you mentioned something about construction delays. Um, was there any challenges in the early stages of putting this business plan together, of opening the store? Anything that almost derailed you or that really threw you off track? Because there's always crap that comes at you when you're first starting a business. So I'm wondering, what was it for you that uh, was challenging? I, I would definitely say that first finding the exact and perfect location was a huge challenge. We anticipated that we would find something within six months and start, you know, constructing our space right away. And that didn't happen. So I think it was over a year before we found a space in this neighborhood. So that was um, a challenge that we didn't expect. Mm -hmm. And then um, when we started with construction, it was, you know, fairly smooth in the beginning. And then we, we did hit a few roadblocks. There were some surprises and, you know, waiting for permits, waiting for permits, uh, waiting for, yeah, then there were some holidays and, you know, then maybe a contractor might've been sick. And, you know, so there's all these unforeseen delays that you don't have control over, which, you know, in the moment can be extremely frustrating, but you just have to understand that's just how it is. So uh, that's, that surprised us, but uh, you know, we were able to overcome it. 
Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that was, those, mm-hmm. those were the two that were, that were really, um, that really uh, set us back uh, quite a few months. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. sure worth it in the end to be patient, but definitely <laughs> that's like a, a skill as an entrepreneur to yes. be patient <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, when those glitches or surprises come at you to just stay cool, calm, collected, because like, what are you going to do? Try and rush the process and force things that really just aren't meant to happen. So it's challenging, Mm -hmm. but I think it's good for listeners to hear that there's always going to be roadblocks, no matter whether Mm -hmm. they're small, big, it's just the cost of doing business. Right. Exactly. I think another you know, benefit actually from some of the roadblocks is that it actually gave us time on our side to prepare for things and to learn. And so even though we may have been set back, you know, two weeks or three weeks over, you know, maybe shelving, it gave us an opportunity to spend more time in other areas that needed our attention. So we did, we did find that it was still a mixed blessing in Mm -hmm. a sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, kind of moving forward to the period where the shop is ready to be opened to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you doing to get the word out there? Obviously, marketing is a huge piece of writing the business plan and running a business. So I'm wondering, how did you spread the word? What were some of the things that you did to generate a little bit of interest so that your first week or first month would get some customers through the door? Oh. Well, we work with a great marketing team. Is it GLE? Yeah, Green Living Enterprises. Mm-hmm. Cool. And yeah, we're a fan of theirs. They were they put together the Green Living Show, mm-hmm. and uh, so we sussed them out and we contacted them, and they were lovely people, and they were fantastic. They worked with us on a timeline as to when we could, you know, create a little bit of uh, a, a buzz, and you know put ourselves out there and uh, then we also set up um, uh, social media accounts and you know put that out there and and put together content and and try to engage our community and mm-hmm. in some interesting posts mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. and in terms of hiring the marketing team, was that a decision that you made because you both didn't feel super confident in your abilities mm-hmm. or you were too busy? What was the decision process behind bringing in other people to support the launch of the business? I, I think we wanted to make sure that um, we were generating some interest a few weeks prior to opening and we felt like the most effective way to do it is to have a structured way of presenting ourselves and we felt like if we did it on our own it we might have fumbled it and we may not have um, reached the same um, number of people and uh, we really admired uh, Green Living Enterprises we you know have attended their their Green Living show over a number of years so we knew that they already aligned with our values they already supported a lot of businesses that um, were sustainable businesses and um, so we felt like that they could get our word out there more effectively. And they did a great job. They mm-hmm. helped us build our, our website, which was um, really exciting. Mm-hmm. They saw our vision, which was great. So it was pretty easy for them to, um, to create the copy and to create the, um, the interest on our behalf. It felt like they were really uh, speaking through our voice, which was super important. And uh, we, we did end up, again, because of the, the construction challenges, we, we ended up opening um, a, a few months later than we had anticipated. But again, it gave us a bit of time to um, put ourselves out there and to share ourselves with our community and uh, to start getting people to follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. And that, I think, really helped. So by the time we opened our doors, it, it, was, it was great. We had a lot of support and enthusiastic followers. That's amazing. When you look at kind of what you do to promote your business today, what would you say are some of the most powerful or impactful marketing or promotional strategies that you still do most days that 
tend to bring a return on investment or tend to get people into the store? What works now? Well, uh, we, I would say, uh, post quite regularly on Instagram. That tends to be uh, the most effective form of communication. And at times, you know, it might feel like homework because it's not our forte, <laughs> but um, just engaging with our community on a regular basis. And, um, you know, initially we thought, oh, we'll, we'll post maybe once a week or once every two weeks and uh, found out that, no, that's not the case. It's, it's much more effective to um, have a daily voice and um, provide information uh, whether it's uh, educational or, um, you know, sharing something personal, um, you know, the community wants to hear from you almost mm -hmm. every day. So we, we try to post every day if we can. And if it's not an actual post, then we'll share a story. And it um, just gives us a bit of a connection with our community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the, the hard thing about social is that it does require yeah. that everyday attention, but it's also the amazing thing is that you get the opportunity to remind your community that, hey, we're still here, pop in on your run today, pop in as you're walking by with the kids. And it's that mm -hmm. everyday touch point that uh, it's a curse and a blessing all at the same time. We'll say that about social exactly. media. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Now, just for clarity, when did you actually open the store? We opened December 1st of 2019, so just at the end of last year. And uh, we were open for just a little over three months before COVID hit. So we were just starting to gain some traction when uh, we came to a grinding halt. <laughs> Did so, you write into your business plan that there might be a global <laughs> pandemic? That's right. That was it's the one thing we mentioned at once too. Yes. Oh, come on. Exactly. I Oops, mean, to put that in there. it would have been like strangely psychic if you had written that in there. Cause like, yeah. I don't think that was on anybody's mind. Like I've written business plans before. And when I did the risk assessments, it yes. never included global pandemic. I just, <laughs> It was yeah. not in my consciousness. So how could I have possibly thought about it, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, so obviously we can kind of giggle at it, but COVID mm -hmm. has had a massive impact on consumer spending patterns or shopping patterns. Um, and I'm sure that there's been some sort of impact on your business, whether good, bad, mm -hmm. or a combination of both. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering what's been going on the last four months for you? Mm-hmm. Well, we, we closed our doors in early March um, because of COVID, mm -hmm. and uh, we had to rethink our business model. So yeah. we um, had a few meetings and decided that um, our website should also act as an e-commerce platform, which we hadn't anticipated uh, on doing for at least a year after we opened. We really wanted to focus on engaging with our community through our brick and mortar. So uh, we quickly put up an e-commerce site and took as many photos as we could. And um, then we also offered contactless pickup and uh, delivery in the, in the neighborhood. So that, um, that helped immensely um, just so we could at least uh, continue providing uh, bulk essentials to our community. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it helped, but definitely, as you say, it, it changed um, everyone's way of thinking and purchasing and, you know, your priorities shift. Um, but we knew that everybody still needs dish tablets and laundry soap and we were determined <laughs> and deodorant and toothpaste and we were determined to be able to still provide that to our community. So the e-commerce was a really important component, even though we had a few glitches. Mm -hmm. I think it, it really helped us um, stay afloat. Mm -hmm. And are you back open now or is the shop still mm -hmm. shut? Uh, where are we at mm -hmm. as of June or no, July 24th, 2020? Yes. So I would say over the last two weeks, we slowly opened our doors to, uh, initially we had the table up at the front of the door to allow people to walk up to the door and, and you know, ask, request, you know, toothpaste and deodorant and we would put it together on their behalf. And just this last week, we have opened our doors to allow uh, 
two customers in at a time and uh, we have hand sanitizer at the front and we put up plexiglass at our countertops and so now people can walk around at ease with ease and mm -hmm. um, we have a, a UVC light so we're sterilizing um, the bottles and so we're allowing customers now to bring their bottles for refill which uh, was a really important um, component for us because when we were closed and we were initially providing delivery we were putting everything in new glass containers and that didn't align with our values of supporting a circular economy so that was upsetting to us and we decided we would uh, take bottles back and uh, give customers um, a, a, a refund or a credit a store credit towards uh, purchasing something in our shop but now over the last week we've been allowing customers to bring their containers again and we feel like we're a re refillery again which is which is great. So mm -hmm. it's nice to see faces back in our shop. Mm. Mm -hmm. For somebody who's never been inside of an eco-friendly shop or a shop that supports a circular economy, can you just describe a little bit more about kind of what you do and what the mission is and what to expect when we walk into the green jar? Well, you can expect uh, that it, um, we have a, a wonderful wall full of uh, liquid soaps and shampoos and lotions, and you can bring your own bottle or jar, whatever vessel you have, and you can fill it. And um, also, if you're a maker, we have a lot of base ingredients, of powders, and you can make your own laundry powders, which is great, or want to make a clay mask. And, and, yeah. and all of our uh, products are plant-based and uh, contain no harmful chemicals. So we're offering um, uh, an eco-friendly, sustainable option to toothpaste and to deodorant. And so uh, you don't have to worry about putting any harmful chemicals on your, on your body. Uh, so the, most of the, um, or actually all of the refillery uh, items are uh, Canadian made, which was another really important factor for us. Mm -hmm. And they are made really well. So a little goes a long way. So for example, our multi-purpose cleaner, you only need about a half a teaspoon to uh, a one liter water bottle. And wow. then you can, mm -hmm, so super concentrated. Um, and the great thing is that a, a lot of these companies use uh, concentrated ingredients in little, little um, water. And for example, our laundry uh, soap, you only need a tablespoon for a large load of laundry. So we wanted people to see that um, they can purchase quality ingredients and they can see the savings buying in bulk and that they're also buying safer ingredients. And it was also really important for us to uh, provide access to um, our underserved members of our community. So we wanted to make sure that our cost for um, the refillery items are affordable, that, that, you, you know, that there's um, access to everybody when it comes to refillery uh, products. And then the other half of our store has um, really amazing everyday essentials that are alternatives to single-use plastics. So uh, we have uh, vegan dental floss that's made out of corn fiber, and we carry, you know, stainless steel straws and bamboo cutlery. So we're we're finding um, products that are um, really essential to our daily activities, but are um, you know compostable and biodegradable options. Hmm. So cool. So for someone listening who doesn't normally shop with you, but they're kind mm -hmm. of, you know, their curiosity is obviously piqued by this point. Mm -hmm. What would you say are the first two to three items that they would probably want to begin shifting over to? Mm -hmm. I think a, an easy switch would be a bamboo toothbrush. You can, you know, once you're regular plastic toothbrush has reached the end of its life, you can easily switch it out to a bamboo toothbrush. And then that's compostable after you're done with that. Um, floss as well. That's another great switch out that anyone can make since we use that, you know, 
at least three times a day. Uh, another great switch out would be your kitchen sponge. We have great alternatives for that. Great uh, loofah sponge as well as coconut fiber sponge. And those are some of the things I see a lot of people gravitating towards when they come into our store. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Another one uh, I, that I really love and I see a lot of people switching out quite easily is uh, deodorant. And we have had a few skeptics, but uh, the deodorant definitely that we carry is really effective and you can buy it in bulk. So, you know, you can buy a little sample that's maybe five or seven days worth and uh, it doesn't have any plastic components to it. So, you know, you just dip your finger into the jar and rub it onto your armpits like moisturizer. Um, and uh, we found that a lot of uh, people um, are thinking about switching, you know, the, the deodorants out. So this mm -hmm. is uh, another popular one, mm -hmm. as well as toothpaste. Yeah, um, toothpaste tubes are an, another awful plastic item in our landfills, and uh, we have the crush and brush toothpaste tabs. So you can chew on them, and they become effervescent. And it's again, it's a really quick, easy switch, and it's something that you can take with you while you're camping or on a business trip, or you know, keep it at work in your in your office cubicle, and it's it's you know, very straightforward switch. So we, we want to show people that it's, um, it's easy, but it's not, in, and it's, you know, it might be intimidating in the beginning to make out these switches, but if you just try one room at a time and you just try one or two items, um, it, it, it makes such a huge mm -hmm. difference, even if it's just one or two items. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another great switch out would be our, um, our shopping bags. We have a great cotton mesh shopping bags, produce bags. That's something that, you know, everybody could use when they go to the grocery store just to throw your lettuce in there. And then once you get home, you can throw that right into the fridge. It still breathes mm -hmm. and you're eliminating single use plastics. Exactly. Mm, those are all such good tips and you, you make it sound so accessible, right? It, it's not hard for us to just bring our jars, our empty jars. And instead of going to buy a new one, just mm -hmm. refill the current run. I was actually just thinking yeah. that normally when I need new deodorant, I buy a whole new glass jar, but now that that's not making sense to me. Like, yes, it's natural. Yes, it's locally made, but I don't need a new jar every time I, I run out of it. So it definitely gives us lots to think about as listeners and mm -hmm. would highly suggest people um, consider those six items that you mentioned because you're right, it, it's mm -hmm. simple, right? You just have to make that transition, which might feel a bit yeah. awkward, but you just, mm -hmm. you're retraining your, your spending patterns and your buying patterns, which is important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And another important component uh, for us is that we didn't want, um, we wanted to help eliminate household waste. And we found that sometimes people will purchase um, a product, let's say four liters of laundry detergent, only to realize that they're having a really awful allergic reaction to it, or they don't like the, the smell of it. And then they've wasted this four liters and it sits underneath their, their you know, bathroom counter or their, their laundry counter, or they dispose of it. So we really wanted to encourage people to buy just what they need in the moment. And that helps to eliminate the household waste. Mm. Yeah, it's such a, a true statement. Like you buy one mm -hmm. thing and then oftentimes people shove it under a cupboard and forget mm -hmm. about it. And it sits there until they decide to move 20 years later. And it's, just, exactly. it's not a very effective way to try a product on for size. So Absolutely. to get away from that is super important. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm wondering, do you ever think about the long-term vision, kind of the five-year plan for the green jar, or are you more just embracing the now and just kind of living in the day-to-day -day of, you know, your first year of business? Mm -hmm. we, um, we're, we're definitely taking it day by day, especially mm -hmm. since uh, COVID hit. It really has, uh, you know, shifted uh, our... our um, our pattern at the green jar, but uh, we we definitely have lots of ideas. We want to continue engaging with our community, so uh, we we definitely have a laundry list of of things that we'd love to do in order to um, expand on the green jar and to provide um, you know services to our community. But 
you know, Mar, Mar is the, the rational <laughs> list maker and definitely, um, you know, reminds us that we, we need to be really rational and, and methodical with our, our process and with our growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think 2020 has certainly mm-hmm. thrown us curveballs that uh, it kind of takes Definitely. us away from thinking super long term and instead mm-hmm. focusing on, okay, what's the goals of this week or this month? Mm-hmm. Let's just like stay in the present because we don't know yeah. what tomorrow brings and it, how quickly exactly. we can bounce back after all mm-hmm. of this, hopefully quickly, but nobody really mm-hmm. knows. So we're it's just so going true. with it. We, um, we have I, a lot of, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, we had um, a lot of workshops planned as well. We wanted to uh, teach our community, you know, how to make a lot of the products that we sell in the store. So uh, we had a whole list of uh, things we were going to teach throughout the year. And now, you know, not being able to have too many people gathering together, we're going to um, put it off for a little while. But there's also Zoom, which is a great, <laughs> a great um, way to communicate with people. But uh, we're definitely looking forward to having that face-to-face interaction with our community again and and, uh, teaching workshops and and having, um, you know, social meet and greet evenings and Mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's true. There's like no replacement for that in-person feel. Um, I especially Mm -hmm. miss getting out to community events, going to workshops (laughs) at spaces like yours. And just feeling the physical presence. Zoom is amazing and it's a great alternative. Having e-commerce is amazing. But I know, surely one of the reasons that you got into this business is because you love seeing people in the physical realm and and Mm -hmm. sharing your excitement towards eco-friendly living, um, going more Mm -hmm. zero waste. And it's tough, right? With less physical interaction. I think uh, we're very excited for you to be able to offer these in-person events, hopefully someday soon. Hopefully to it. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Um, So final question for somebody who is listening to this podcast, and they also would love to start a retail space, a brick and mortar. Uh, but maybe they have no idea where to begin. What <laughs> advice might you offer them in order to push them forward and get them started? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely Planning. plan. Yeah. You know, have um, to plan as, as much as you can. Make a list of all the, um, the things that are really important to you with regards to um, starting your business. Uh, write a business plan. Absolutely, and be prepared to revise that business plan a few times before it's it's finalized. Uh, ensure that you have uh, funds available to contribute to your business, um, as well as extra funds for any unforeseen emergencies. I think that's really important as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Making and, connections with uh, mm-hmm. other businesses that may be similar to yourself. Mm-hmm. Reach out to them, befriend them, and mm-hmm. get to know them. We admire uh, a lot of uh, zero waste stores and mm-hmm. we've uh, had the pleasure of, you know, meeting with them and getting to know them. Mm-hmm. And Mentor, yeah, maybe. mentorship. I think that's really important. If you can find somebody that uh, is also, uh, you know, running a business similar to the business that you'd like to, to open, definitely, you know, seek their mentorship. It's, it's really important to have that um, sage guidance. And uh, it also helps to eliminate some mistakes that some people can make in the beginning, if you know what not to do. Mm-hmm. And take your time. Don't yes. rush. Mm-hmm. It's, a, yeah, it's not a race. It's, it's fine tuning all of the details. Mm-hmm. Definitely checking them off. Mm-hmm. And then also, uh, really check your your target market your your demographic and ensure that whatever product you're willing to sell is something that they really um need something that's really uh you know useful mm-hmm. and that something that uh that you believe in mm-hmm. right i'm not going to sell something that i that i don't believe in absolutely all the products that we have here i i have in my house i love them i use them and Mm -hmm. stand behind them. Exactly. Absolutely. Mm. That's, yeah, that's huge, I think, because 
I, if you don't love and believe in what you are sharing and what you're selling mm -hmm. every day, then mm -hmm. how do you in like inspire and infect mm -hmm. that energy into mm -hmm. others? Right. So I think right. it's so cool to see that you have built this business around a topic that has been near and dear to both of your hearts, obviously mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. many, many, many years and an idea that was planted way back when you were 15, 16 years old and, um, patience really was the ultimate mm -hmm. driver into finally seeing this store come to fruition. And mm -hmm. surely it hasn't been the exact year that you planned, but mm -hmm. I know that so many people are are looking to make decisions um, that are better for the environment and that mm -hmm. are supportive of eco-friendly living. And so I know this is only just the beginning. Um, I think the education that you provide is so valuable because we're all on different ends of this journey, right? And, and we need to be reminded that um, this concept of the circular economy is really all of our responsibilities to learn yes. about and to figure out how we can play less of a role in the damage to our planet. So I'm very, very inspired by hearing this story. I know all the listeners are going to really enjoy the transparency and openness that you've both shared with us today. And we wish you all the best. Um, if people want to find out more about the Green Jar or if they're in Toronto and they can visit you, where are the best places for them to find you? Absolutely. So our store is uh, at 1061 St. Clair Avenue West, and that's between Oakwood Avenue and Dufferin Street. And uh, on social, we are at the Green Jar Shop, and that's our Twitter, Twitter our Instagram, and our Facebook handle. Easy enough. I will link all of that in the show notes so that people can come and find you. And uh, we wish you all the best as we emerge from our homes and get back into visiting our favorite shop. So thank you, Mara. Thank you, Tanis. I appreciate thank you being you. on the show and we'll chat soon. Thanks, Chelsea. Thank you for having us. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis, so it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method business coaching experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.